Jesus, take these words and use them to shape us and to see things like you see them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning to those of you here in person, those of you joining us on the podcast. We're so glad to have you. Um, huge, huge day, huh? Groundhog Day. Man. And you guys are wearing the official groundhog colors of blue and green. This is just epic, epic. Meanwhile, I look like I just got back from Hogwarts, so I don't know what's going on. I noticed after I had put the clothes on. But anyway, during the first half of college, I lived in this tiny rural farming community. And uh, late one night, I was driving home from class when I passed by Jimmy's Bait Shop real place, Jimmy's Bait Shop, and noticed something unusual. Now, I know that you guys know places like Jimmy's Bait Shop, you know, kind of a couple gas pumps out front, some cold beer in the refrigerator inside, lots of live, squishy, juicy worms, you know, for fishing, that kind of place kind of on every corner at Medina. I mean, that sort of vibe, (laughs) that sort of thing. So anyway, driving by Jimmy's Bait Shop, I noticed something unusual. I noticed this car sneak out of the Jimmy's Bait Shop parking lot with its lights off. And then all of a sudden it just zoomed away, suspicious-like. Now, uh, during this season of my life, the television show Cops was very important to me. (laughs) So having noticed something unusual, I did a U-turn, quick-like, and went back to Jimmy's Bait Shop and and kind of started to explore, to investigate what was going on, because this was something that was going on. As I was driving around, I noticed that, of course, the shop was closed, had been closed for hours. This was late. Everything was dark. But as I came around a corner, I noticed a half-open door from which was billowing smoke and flame coming out of there. And I knew immediately what I was seeing. This was arson. And I had stumbled into it. This was awesome. (laughs) Now, this was back when the only people who had cell phones were like the U.S. military. So I had to drive all the way home to be able to... Nobody remembers that time, apparently. That's fine. (laughs) It was just me. So I had to drive all the way back home to call the police, right? So um, this just gets better and better because I'm on my way home when I spot that car again, the same one. And this kind of shadowy figure all of a sudden ducks down behind the window as I'm driving by. So I did what any pro would do, memorize the make, model, color, and license plate of that car. Got it all down, really did. When I got home, I called the police. I told them what I saw. And then I told them the exact location of the fire. And because I lived like right across the alley from the fire station, I heard the trucks go. It was very exciting. I was right in the moment. This is really cool. Now, I had forgotten to say the name of the establishment. I just told them the actual physical location. And so when I hung up, feeling pretty proud of myself, I suddenly realized I had told them the wrong location. I had sent them to Ernie's Bait Shop, not Jimmy's Bait Shop. This is a true story. There were two bait shops in this town. And they went to Ernie's. So assuming the police and fire department, they were like already there, I got into my car again, zipped down to Ernie's bait shop, jump out and say, da-da-da-da-da. They're all wondering, like, where's the fire? And did we just get pranked? And where's Ashton? And so they're dude, inside joke. Uh, Thanks, thanks, Danielle. Um, I won't use that reference for 11. Um, They're they're all milling about wondering. And I said, look, I got it all wrong. I'm so sorry, you guys. This is, it's not Ernie's, it's Jimmy's. Now just get back in and follow me. And they did. They all got back in their different cars and trucks and different things, and they followed me to Jimmy's Bait Shop, where they immediately put out the fire. The police asked me some questions, took my information. That was it. Very exciting, especially in this small town. Until two weeks later, when an actual detective came to my house 
and asked me some questions. This was, this was very exciting. And of course, I had the answers ready. And he said, you know, can you describe that car again? Described it exactly. Still need the license plate. Gave it to him. He said, yep, that matches what we've got. Sounds like, sounds like we caught our guy. Good work, son. You're a hero. Now, these many years later, I still get uncomfortable with being labeled a hero. But that's tr- the truth is, that's what I am. I saved Jimmy's bait shop from burning to the ground, people. Come on. Yes, thank you. Thank you. No, 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 no. That's what heroes do. Don't thank me. Now, as it later turned out, um, the person who set the fire was Jimmy. Yeah. That made for some good headlines in that small town. Anyway, when I noticed the car sneaking out of the parking lot, true story, when I noticed it sneaking out of the parking lot, my night went from this ordinary commute home from class to this like crime-busting adventure. I was super excited. My noticing brought me into this much bigger, more exciting story. It's funny because noticing seems like such a small act. It's such a small thing. Just a simple directing of our attention. What's the big deal with noticing and why should we spend a whole sermon on it? Because of this. What we attend to is what we value. What we attend to is what we value. Attention and value are linked. If you think about it, remember being in high school, some of you are in high school right now, so you won't have to think that hard. But remember being in high school and that girl or that guy that you had a crush on, right? Oh, if only she would notice me. If only he would notice me. What that would mean. Or maybe you've had that thought, would anyone notice if I weren't here? Would anybody even miss me? Would anybody know? That's an awful feeling. It's awful because feeling unnoticed is equivalent to feeling unvalued, unseen, unloved. What we attend to is what we value. Which is why noticing is so important to human relationships. Noticing is, in fact, key to community. Community, that subject that we're spending this whole teaching series on. And as we're about to see as we dive further into this story that I remember so well from Sunday school, maybe you do too, noticing has the power to totally transform not just one person, but an entire community. So look with me again at this story. Jesus is walking through Jericho. He's just passing through. He's minding his own business on his way. And by this time, Jesus' popularity had grown enough that wherever he went, there was always a crowd. There were mobs of people following him, wanting to see what he was about. Was he going to do one of his miracles? Was he really all that they had heard? So he couldn't travel far without being mobbed by a crowd. And there was this one man in the crowd, this wealthy chief tax collector named Zacchaeus. And he desperately wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to know what all the hype was about. He wanted to know if the rumors were true. Was he going to do a miracle? Was was this the Son of God? Was this the Messiah? He wanted to know. But Zacchaeus had a problem. He was vertically challenged, right? He couldn't see above the rest of the crowd. Now, we don't know if that means he was really, really short or if he was just like a man of average height and he was like compared to some super tall, you know, NBA guy. We don't know what it was. We just know that Zacchaeus couldn't see above the crowd. So what he lacks in height, he makes up for in craftiness. He runs down the road to get ahead of Jesus, climbs up a tree, and just kind of waits there. Now, let's put ourselves in Zacchaeus' shoes for just a moment to kind of get into this. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. 
Nobody liked him. There were a few reasons for this. One, he was a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which meant he was collecting taxes from his own people on behalf of the Roman government and kind of adding a little interest on top to make money for himself. So he was basically stealing from his own people. That doesn't make you popular. I've tried. It doesn't work. But the Romans... It's a weird thing to say. But the Romans he was collecting taxes for didn't have much respect for him either because they know he's just a thief. He's just kind of a scoundrel. He's just kind of getting whatever he needs. They didn't like him. In addition, Zacchaeus had so overtaxed his fellow citizen that the, the, the text says he was very wealthy. In other words, he was taking all their money and building himself nice houses with lots of servants, lots of stuff. It was always in his neighbor's faces. This is your money I'm living in. Not good. And he probably got picked on for being short, right? Not because there's anything wrong with being short, just because we know that human beings pick on each other for just the smallest differences. He had all kinds of things going against him. Nobody liked Zacchaeus, so nobody noticed Zacchaeus. Nobody liked him, so nobody noticed. Except for Jesus. Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. Why? Why? I mean, if there's a big enough crowd where Zacchaeus is climbing up a new tree, we can imagine there's probably more people using this same technique to get a bird's eye view of Jesus. Zacchaeus is probably not the only one up on the trees, right? But why did Jesus uh, notice Zacchaeus in particular? I think it's because Jesus and his father were in constant conversation. They were in constant conversation together. Jesus was constantly on the lookout for where his father was at work and how he could join him in that work. So when the father wanted to direct the son's attention to Zacchaeus, Jesus easily tuned in and noticed. He noticed. And we can imagine Jesus aware of the crowds, going about his day, but always listening for and looking for the father's work. And then this happens. When Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up. While walking along, Jesus looks up and notices Zacchaeus in the tree, and he might have smiled to himself, and maybe he even thought, oh, that's where my father's at work. This is going to be a great story. The text says Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus. He noticed him. He noticed him, and Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Isn't that great? Jesus invites himself over to this guy's house. You should try this. You should. Go up to a total stranger and just say, hey, you, I must stay at your house today. And just see how it plays out and let us know. That'd be, I think, a lot of fun. Don't do that. Obviously, this is a different culture, different expectations, different rules, and it would not be, you know, this would not be a weird thing to sort of invite yourself over. In fact, for Zacchaeus, of course, this was a huge honor, a huge honor that, that this famous rabbi sees him and wants to be with him. See, uh, part of what makes this so incredible, too, is that Jesus was going to go to his house and share a meal with him. And sharing a meal with someone in that culture was such a different thing than it is at ours. We've talked about that before, but it basically is like this covenant act. It's saying, uh, we're friends forever. Your friends are now my friends. Your enemies are now my enemies. This symbolic act of sharing this meal together means I'm with you forever. 
And the people who are listening around him know this. The crowds know this. So when Jesus says, I'm having dinner at your place, Zacchaeus, they react viciously. Viciously. Verse 7 says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. This is scandalous. Doesn't Jesus know who he's talking to? Now, the only people who call other people sinners are religious people, church people, people who feel comfortable around this kind of setting, people like you and me. And they were scandalized by how far outside of their expectations Jesus reached in order to connect with Zacchaeus. In noticing him, Jesus cut through layers and layers and layers of social and religious garbage to connect to Zacchaeus. You see, Jesus always drew the circle wider than his followers thought was acceptable. He still does. Because to Jesus, people are precious. They have outrageous value. They are worth being interrupted for. They are worth rearranging schedules for. They are worth getting to know in the middle of a busy day. Jesus loves people. And Jesus loved Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus knew it immediately. He recognized it. This famous rabbi who was always mobbed by these crowds had noticed him, Zacchaeus. And he wanted to stay with him, Zacchaeus, and eat with him, to commune with him. What? Zacchaeus is blown away. Jesus sees me. He sees me. And so he responds to Jesus' outrageous love with outrageous love. In verse 8, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now Zacchaeus had cheated everybody, which means he's probably going to end up broke by the end of this deal, right? But he doesn't care. Why? Because Jesus had noticed him, seen him, that validated him, that gave him value, and that made all the difference. Jesus invites you and I into a much bigger story than the one we're normally living, the one where we're just kind of focused on our needs, our wants. That's not a bad story, but it's just a very small story. God's got more. He invites us to notice what is going on around us. What is going on? How the Father is at work and how we can join him in that work. So I wonder, do we notice? Do we really notice? Not just kind of like sort of aware out of the periphery of our vision, but do we notice the people that we regularly cross paths with but don't necessarily know? The bagger at the grocery store you always see. The guy who works at the gas station you always go to. The woman who serves the food at your favorite restaurant. The neighbor who lives two doors down from you. The neighbor who sits in the same place near you every Sunday. Do you notice that person as well? Jesus invites us to notice because noticing is where the adventure begins. It's where the adventure begins. Noticing is where transformation starts to happen. So how do we notice? Jesus gives us a clue when he gives us the Great Commission. Which says this, therefore, go and make, all, make, make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. You may have heard that before. The original word for go here actually means in your going. In your going, make disciples. In your going. As you go about your business, notice what is the Father up to you. As you go about your day, notice 
What is the Father up to? As you go to church, notice, what is the Father up to? It's not just to come and kind of get recharged and then go out. God is up to stuff with us, among us. What is it? Notice. Notice what the Father is up to. Notice the wonderful people around you who he loves dearly. I often forget that, especially if they get in my way in traffic. Right? Do you have that experience? I forget that he loves them as much as he loves me. He loves Broncos fans as much as he loves Seahawks fans. What scandal? I know it's true. He loves, loves, loves. For some of you, that was a very redemptive moment. Take that with you. (laughs) Noticing is how relationships begin. It's how lives are transformed. So before we leave, I just want to give you two quick resources that can help us in this noticing, that can help us practice this, put this stuff into action. First, I want you to notice that we have a uh, new small group opportunity opening up. At the end of this month, beginning on Sunday nights and for seven weeks, we're going to have this opportunity to come together, kind of form small groups around some great content. If you've wanted to be part of a small group and have not done that yet, this is a great opportunity. If you've been around for a while and want to connect more deeply, this is a great opportunity. You just go straight out to the lobby. It'll say small group sign up. That'll be a clue as to where you should sign up for the small group stuff. The second resource is this. In your bulletin, there is a little postcard. And on the back of that little postcard, there are some instructions for your free gift. Yeah, it's on me. Don't worry about it. Free gift. It's a free download of some great training material about, that kind of helps us learn this art of noticing, art of listening, art of engaging our neighbors, art of being in our going, of taking Jesus with us to work, to school, to play, and all of that. It's this wonderful resource. This is going to help us take some very practical next steps. So you just follow the instructions on the back of the card uh, and and just kind of go through those steps. If you have any questions about any technical issues, you just uh, contact Scott Dudley, and he will be glad. I'll give you his cell number here at the end because he's not here and he won't know, and we're not going to tell him, are we? When I noticed that car sneaking out of the parking lot at Jimmy's Bait Shop, My night went from this ordinary commute to this this adventure, this ridiculous adventure. Noticing brings us into a bigger story. It gets us out of ourselves a little bit. Like, I'm always right here. This is my stuff. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is, it lifts us out of that. To go, what is God doing in this room, even right now? What is God doing? Because he's always at work. What is God doing in the people you pass at the grocery store, at school, at work? What is he up to? It puts us into the action. And as we celebrate communion this morning, it's kind of crazy because I hope that in the midst of that, we are reminded that we are noticed, that Jesus notices you. He notices you. Do you know you never have to fight to get his attention? You never have to climb up into a tree. His attention is yours completely. He notices you. He sees you. He loves you. He moves toward you and says, I want to commune with you. I want to do life with you, which is what this meal sharing represents that we are forever with him joined to him because he took notice of us so jesus would you help us to notice what you're up to help us to attend to the things that you value and would you help us to begin to value those things god i know that you are so patient with us and how we're so often focused on just our stuff thank you for your patience But God, I want more than that. We're made for more than that, and we all have a sense of that. So lift our eyes. Help us to notice what is going on around us. God, give us courage to join in that. 
Give us teammates to join in that with. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.